Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The United States men's national team beat Panama 6-2. Plenty to break down as Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce join me to talk about the game and what to look ahead for 2021. Stay right here because all the action is discussed right now. Welcome, everybody. And the U.S. men's national team wins 6-2 against Panama in Austria and these European-based Americans and their 2020 campaign with the nation uh, as maybe there might be a December camp later on with Liga MX and MLS players. But for now, 6-2 against Panama. We have Heath Pierce and Jimmy Conrad. Heath, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I threw up uh, my jersey. So, I'm, you know, after a big result, I'm back to being uh, supporting this uh, men's national team uh, almost as much as I support the women's national team. I'm just kidding. It's, everything's good. I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Good to see you put it out there. That's good. That's good. Always be, you know, always be behind your nation, no matter what. Don't you think? Yeah, that's what people say. But, you know, I'm working on that. You know, I'm, I'm working on that one day at a time, Luis. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. And of course, here with us, too, is Jimmy Conrad. Jimmy C, how are you, buddy? I'm less of a fence rider than Heath. I'm wearing a U.S. men's national team kit, one of my favorites. And I have a Mia Hamm signed jersey behind me. Life is good, especially after that result, Luis. That Mia Hamm jersey. I like it. I like it. We should definitely put that up for sale and I'll, I'll be the first bidder. I love it. I love it. Anyway, let's talk about the game. 6-2 against Panama with uh, Gio Reyna scoring, uh, Joaquini with a brace, Sebastian Soto and Sebastian Leguet as well getting another goal. 6-2. Uh, Heath, a lot of goals, some questionable defending on both sides. How did you see this game? Yeah, look, I... I... Jimmy and I talked about this quite at length uh, today already. So uh, we, we, I don't know if that's helped me formulate, formulate my thoughts anymore, but I think it was important in a, few, in a few ways. One, I think the energy was really good from the team. I think that's most important. This team is young, and they're showing that they're young in the fact that they're energetic, they're positive, the momentum to go forward was really good today. Their precision in, other, in areas of the field in terms of the attacking third, the dynamic runs, things like that were much better than against Wales. So overall, a positive experience. But again, how you judge that is, is, is the hard part. Yeah. Jimmy, how about you? Early thoughts from this game? So I agree with Heath. I thought the energy was fantastic. I like that Greg Berhalter kept the same midfield from the Wales game with uh, McKinney, Tyler Adams, and Musa. I like the way that they play. I like how they cover the ground, both with and without the ball. And I really feel like Tyler Adams, and I don't know if I've said this on the K Golasso podcast, but I've said it to my closest friends, that I believe that Tyler Adams is going to be the most important player for us moving forward. I think he's the glue that really keeps everything together. Sure, Pulisic might get some more headlines. Reyna might get some more headlines. Whoever becomes and emerges as a number nine might get more headlines because they're scoring the goals and creating the goals. But Tyler Adams will end up being our most important player. That was my big takeaway early on. I didn't really like the starting lineup with regard to the center backs. I'm not a Tim Ream fan. Uh, I'll just say it. I'll raise my hand. I think he's going to do what he's done. He's hit his ceiling. I don't. 
I think he's very good at passing the ball. And you guys can be like, well, listen, Greg knew he was going to have a lot of possession this game. He can break the lines. Yes, his passing is fantastic. And I think it showed and was displayed uh, a couple times during this game, which was very valuable. However, we give up goals that we shouldn't give up because I think in part he's in the team. I already know what Miazga can bring. I wanted to see Chris Richards. My bias is showing. I wanted to see Chris Richards. I wanted to see him against or with John Anthony Brooks, who I think is going to be our partner and partner moving forward. I think the number one guy for us is from a center back perspective. So I was a little disappointed with that, but we got the results. So I'm happy. Heath. Um, By the way, Luis, real quick. He said he told his closest friends. He didn't tell me. Did he tell you? <laughs> no, so so we, we just realized, we've just realized that we're not his closest friends. Oh, in in real time, we both realized, uh, we've both learned something today about Jimmy is that neither of us are in his closest friends list, but yeah, yeah. sorry. Yes. As he was saying that, my heart was just breaking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Listen, I peed my pants in third grade. Okay. We're all <laughs> caught up now. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that on loop. I peed my pants. <laughs> so listen, Heath. Uh, to uh, Jimmy's point about the starting lineup, I was also surprised that he didn't rotate enough. I get it. It's been a long time, obviously, since this squad has been together. But this is a great opportunity to see other players and what they can show. What did you think? I agree. I think Chris Richards would have been a nice shout. It, it's an interesting group, right? Because you have a mix of guys who are just breaking into their first teams. Uh, the, the core group that played against Wales showed that they have an international quality, ready to play at the international stage. I think they're a step ahead. Most of those guys are contributing week in and week out with an exception of maybe Conrad. It would have been nice to see Chris Richards. I think the shout on Tim Ream is also fair in the fact that you know what you're going to get from him. This is an opportunity to see a lot of the players who you haven't seen. And yet, do I think Tim Ream, because of the squad, is going to be um, used and important through the qualifying campaign? Probably. Uh, but I do think it's a chance for you to see, hey, okay, Chris Richards isn't getting games week in and week out. How does he match up, right? We saw with Conrad maybe needs some first-team games and to work through some stuff and really to really get to that international level. And it's small sample size, but I'm using it as an example. Now we can see Chris Richards to say, okay, is he there yet? Now we can create a benchmark of, how is he improving? How is he improving week in, week out? Can you create a, a relationship with Greg Berhalter to go back and work with the staff at Bayern to say, here's some things he needs to work on. Here's some things you need to work on to improve. It would have been nice to see him for a longer, longer period. But overall, I actually did like the idea of using the same team again to see, because I don't think they were particularly great. I think they were good against Wales, but giving them another chance to see, can you do better? Can you be more committed in the attacking third? Can you, can you take better risks? Can you do it in the right spots? Those types of things, which I did think we saw against a, a far poorer side, but we did see some of that. So keeping that team together, I was appreciative of that. Jimmy, one thing that we did see today uh, was a little bit of lackadaisical defending, uh, especially the opening goal where um, – Alejandro Alonso Yearwood Francis, side note, a tremendous name, uh, had basically like a year and a half to cross that ball. It was like ridiculous. And uh, Fajardo makes it one nothing. Uh, obviously, the goals kept coming after that, and it's fine and they recuperated. But aside from that opening goal, also the very large portions, or at the very least, significant portions of the second half, Panama was really just going at it. And I get it. They're young. They're getting used to each other. But it was a little bit questionable. What did you think from that perspective? Yeah, from that perspective, I'll say that even though we went down the first goal, which I think we shut off, it was a free kick, uh, you know, right by the middle of midfields. The ball just gets played wide. It doesn't seem like we're playing with a lot of urgency. However, to Heath's point, I think for the most part, we do play with a lot of urgency and a lot of energy. And I think that leads to a lot of turnovers. 
I am curious though, because we don't get out to that ball. And I think that was to Panama's to their benefit. They said, if we get out wide, just take a touch and whip it in. Don't, don't dawdle with it. Right. Because what ends up happening, if you dawdle with the ball, whether you're playing for Panama or the States, you, you, you kill the runs. Cause if you take that extra touch, then that really hard near post run is going to be dead. Cause he's already in that space before the ball gets there. And I thought that was a very good goal. And that was really their only chance at that point. What I did like from our team was our response. And you mentioned it, Luis, that we came back, we took control of the game. We stomped on, stomped on some throats, as I like to say, and we took control. We had 72% possession in the first half. We never really were threatened. And I like the fact that we're outplaying teams that we should outplay. We're better than them on paper, and we're playing better than them on, on, in real life. I think there has been a knock on U.S. teams in the past that we played to the level of our competition. And this was a good opportunity for us to start to distance ourselves because of our quality. And I thought that shone through. That was like my positive takeaway. On the negative side, we can't let that one chance score, right? That's, that's something we have to eliminate from our game. I thought we were a little bit tighter defensively against Wales. I thought it showed and 0-0 result proves that. But we were a little lackadaisical to your point. And, and how we address that, I mean, really it comes down to communication. It's, it's Miazga yelling at Cannon to get out to step to the ball. And so Cannon knows he can go with confidence. It's then Reem saying, hey, you got a guy off your left shoulder. It's all these little tiny little things they're going to have to improve. And what I really like to he's point, and then I'll pass the mic, is that we kept the same lineup, and that allowed us to build these relationships. So, for instance, we had Dest and Musa on the right side against Wales, and in this game they were on the left side. I like that they're building rapport between each other, especially when they overlap and have to understand when they're going to go forward and who's going to drop off. <clears throat> Excuse me. So – when we start changing center backs and all that other stuff, it's hard to build that rapport, I think, in those situations, which is why I didn't want to see Reem. I'm probably being a little bit too harsh on him. I just really wanted to see Richards because I think he's the future, and Tim Reem's going to be the guy that kind of helps us get through qualifying due to his experience, but maybe won't even be a guy we select for the World Cup at the end. Yeah, maybe it would have been good to like do the opposite, right? Start Chris Richards and then bring in Tim Ream uh, as the game develops. Heath, let's talk for specifically uh, about that first half because I thought uh, goal aside, scoring his first uh, goal for the senior team, Giovanni Reina, with that uh, you know great uh, free kick, I thought he was really pulling the chains and controlling everything as you would expect. Uh, did he impress you in this game? Absolutely. I think... The final third is where we started to see, and again, take the opponent out of this because they were dropping back. There was a lot more space. You know, they were turning in spaces where you normally wouldn't have space to turn and getting time on the ball. But the urgency when they had the ball in the attacking third was fast, right? They weren't messing around, doing this ticky-tocky stuff. It was like touch, pass. You see the pass, play the pass. You know, play the game the way the game's supposed to be played and, and force Panama to make decisions in real time. And I thought that was really good. And Gio Reyna was the one sort of behind all of that, controlling the tempo of that, keeping that urgency high patience when they needed to have patience and reset, kind of keep the ball, keep possession. But also when that final pass is on, go for it, take the chance, take the risk on that and, and do that in those spots to be courageous again, where there's a turnover involved, not taking too many touches. So I thought the response again for him, which I think he, Probably could have had a better debut. He's 17 years old. You can't expect too much from him uh, against Wales. But this one, a far better performance and much more urgency, much cleaner. Obviously, the pitch seemed better and all those types of things that, that, that help. But just the movement of the players, the dynamic movement, short little diagonal runs, all that stuff seemed far, far better today, um, which I think is a credit to keeping that lineup, at least some of that lineup together, so you can start to get a feel for where the spaces are. And again, the other thing that I liked is, is, is the intelligence from these players today. There's, no, there's, there's not a lot they're going to know about this Panama team, right? So you come out the first game, you give up a first few minutes, you give up a goal. 
it's easy to kind of fall into the trenches. But then the game, like any sort of chess game, starts to present itself. Where is the space? Is it in the middle? Is it wide? Is it darting runs? They all started a number of them, including Giorena, started to have that real understanding and feel for the game to say, okay, this is where we're going to win the game. This is where our spaces are going to come, and this is where we have to execute. And they did that, again, against a, a, a very weak Panama squad, but they were able to have that intelligence to solve problems in real times and get a result, which I think is really important. One thing that we did like, Jimmy, as well, was, you know, uh, Nicholas Giacchini getting a brace, an early brace, and Sebastian Soto getting two goals as well. You know, a position where we have all said, you know, could be a bit of a puzzle as the U.S. moves ahead. But definitely in the first half, we saw the full story of Nicolas Joaquini, right? Two good goals, but then obviously missing that penalty later on. Uh, I, listen, young, Terrible penalty. young Sorry, players out there. Listen, <laughs> yeah, please he, he, don't ever do a one-step run-up. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Please don't. It's just the worst. Jimmy, too much YouTube. Jimmy, it's just terrible. Jimmy, uh, what do you think of uh, Joaquini's uh, uh, performance today? Yeah, I think overall he was impressive. I had never really seen him play before, even though he plays for Con, or as I like to call him, the Conradinos uh, over in League Two. Should the we cut? Start the, should we do that one again? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are we going to let Jimmy leave that joke in there? No, you have to leave that joke. Always? The Conradinho is my favorite <laughs> French team. So, so, but I, I hadn't really seen him play meaningfully and I really like that we had a number nine uh, that was a big contrast to what we saw against Wales when we had the false nine Legette was playing there but he just has a natural tendency to drop into midfield so we lacked a little bit of presence against Wales here we had somebody sit between the two center backs for Panama he was looking to run off the back shoulder if there was room to do that he was looking to combine which was very important in holding the ball up as well even though we had a lot of possession he was still trying to find those pockets even in, you know, when there's like 18 guys in and around him trying to find some spots and he got on the end of two in the first half, he put him head, put his head in a dangerous spot. Defend very McBride-like, I think, for his header to be in a good spot and and to uh, put himself at risk to score that goal. I, I thought it was very promising. I think the big question mark, I think, for everybody that watched the game is how can we really evaluate these guys against a Panama team that wasn't very good and the the goalkeeper in particular was not very good. That's going to be the big thing I think for Greg Berhalter and the coaching staff is okay. We saw these guys; they beat a team we should beat. What, what are the real takeaways here? I think there are a lot of positives, you know, obviously scoring a bunch of goals, getting guys in good spots, getting confidence are all really valuable. But when it comes to like that hardcore evaluation, I think there's, it's going to be hard in some ways because they didn't test us in a way that maybe some other, other countries would have. Stay right here, guys, because we'll be right back to break down a little bit more of this game. Some players to highlight, of course, as well as how to make sure that Yunus Musa stays with the U.S. All of that and more. Stay right here because we'll be right back. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. 
Welcome back, everybody. We continue to break down the 6-2 win uh, of the U.S. against Panama. Heath, uh, let's talk about Yunus Musa for a second. <laughs> this player is very important. He is very important for the U. He's very important for the fact that the U.S. really hopes that he picks the U.S. because he <laughs> is a tremendous talent. I mean, I'm not saying I think that all arrows are pointing to probably he will, but it's just so great to see already two games. I get it. Panama is not that much of an opponent, but the kid is, you know, he turns 18 this week, I believe. Like he's so young, but so, so promising. What did you make of him again today? Yeah, I thought his confidence was, again, peak. Uh, and he's showing consistently what the type of player he wants to be and the qualities that he has. So I thought on the ball, he's so good. He's so aggressive going forward. He can drive, drive the lines forward with the ball at his feet. And again, so young. I don't, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how we keep him. Um, but I hope he wants to. If you saw, if you saw on social, they, there was a screenshot that he had followed a bunch of the, the his teammates after the game, and so uh, that might be an indicator that he's going to be, you know, sticking with the U.S. for a while because he gave he gave the follow. Everybody knows the follow is a permanent thing. You know, you can't unfollow, especially when they're in consecutively. There's like ten in a row. No, but he as a player, really high quality guy, and again, so much upside. So much confidence to step into a national team and and perform under under what I think is a decent amount of maybe he doesn't understand the pressure of what it's like to play for the national team in the U.S. right now because um, he hasn't been in the mix of all the drama over the last couple of years. But yeah, certainly certainly a good performance uh, in my book, and hopefully uh, one step closer to getting him locked in for for you know just permanently playing for the U.S. national team. Jimmy, that might be a good thing, right? Not knowing the drama, not knowing the pressure right now. It might be just be like, all right, I don't care. I'll just come here and do my thing. Uh, maybe the carefree personality is what exactly what the U.S. needs. As long as he stays off the Internet, he's going to be fine. But if you get on U.S. soccer Twitter, I mean, he might be, you know, hyped as the next big thing. And, and uh, that's always a kiss of death, I feel like, when we start to overhype one of our young players, despite the amount of talent and potential they might have. What I wanted to say about Musa in particular and, and Heath has played on these teams as well, where we finally have a midfield where they're all kind of thinking the same things, right? They're all looking to, how do we, can we break the lines and either pass forward quickly or, or run with the ball quickly? Or what can we do to do something going forward quickly? We've been a part of teams, Heath and I, where you have maybe two midfielders that are doing that. And then the other two like to play safe, right? And that really throws off your rhythm. And I like the fact that we're in a formation that Greg's put us in, that these guys are closer to each other on the field. We saw at times under Bruce Arena and even Jurgen Klinsmann, where they would have the center backs go super wide. And then you'd have a Michael Bradley or somebody else drop in into that, like three, you know, back three almost in some ways as a, as a stopper sweeper or whatever, just to give you guys an example. I'm not really using the right terminology here, but then there would be like nobody in the middle of midfield. It would all be kind of out, out wide and there, there was nowhere to combine or create and, and to try to try to break down teams in that part of the field and like wear them down ultimately. And so I really like what we're seeing here because all three of our central midfielders, McKinney, Adams, and Musa, are all looking to go forward. They're all seeing the game in the same way. And that allows the players in front of them and even the outside backs that are joining the attack to really run with purpose. There's nothing worse than when you're an outside back and like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to get the ball or not. This guy might lose it. I don't know. Does he ever look forward? Is he going to play safe this time? Like these are little decisions you have to make during the game, especially against a world-class opponent where you don't know if you want to commit that energy because then you have Let's just say, I don't know. I don't know why he came into my mind. Are you and Robin going the other way? You're like, I'm probably not going to go forward because I have to chase this guy going back. That Those are the things that, that have to be sorted out. And it's these really, really quick, uh, super fast decisions you have to make. And it helps when you have midfielders that are all kind of seeing the game in the same way, because that's where I think most games are won or lost are in the middle of midfield. Can Jimmy, I say something on that? 
Yeah, well, one second. Before Jimmy, forget Aaron Robin, Tecatito Corona, Chucky Lozano. These are real opponents that the U.S. has to face. And you talked about Tyler Adams. I actually think Weston McKinney is so important <laughs> because when they have to face El Tri, uh, a Mexican side that just beat South Korea 3-2, is getting ready for Japan, and they're a better manager. I'm sorry, but Tata Martino at this point obviously is a better manager with a team that knows their identity. Those are players that they're going to have to watch out. Sorry to interrupt, Keith. Go ahead. No, no, I think that's an important, important point. And, and what I wanted to add on to that is that between Musa, Adams, and McKinney, you're probably only going to get two of the three of them on the field at a time, right? When you have, when you have Pulisic come back, when you get um, – and, and then uh, Gio Reyna is going to have to find a place somewhere within that lineup. But the upside that I see is that you start to have – you start to see a game model. You start to see a, a, a system of play that the team understands. Like Jimmy said, drop back to get the ball at your feet as a, as, as a holding midfielder. Now you have two people that want the ball all the time and can connect those lines to move the ball forward. And you start to see a philosophy coming together, which is what I'm excited about, is more players with the same philosophy. And we, we, you see this across Major League Soccer, for example, in the U.S. Every team has a completely different style of play and a, and a system of play and whatever. And the national team, again, this multicultural country that we have, depending on where you come from, is going to be your style of play. And the national team kind of had pieces of like super technical, super direct, super physical, and this kind of melting pot of players. And not to say that's not the same in other places, but now you're starting to see a more technical game come together with players that swap one out, swap one in. You've still got a philosophy going forward instead of saying, oh, well, we've lost McKinney today. We're going to put in Musa, and now we're going to have to play more direct or our game, our game starts to change. The, the quality of technique and, and I guess the understanding of the modern game is, 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 is coming together in a way that I really like. Yeah, and by the way, Yunus Musa uh, also plays on the right for Valencia as well. So, like, he could be somebody that moves around. But to your point, uh, and, and Jimmy chime in here, is that when you look at World Cup qualifiers, I feel that the most important thing is that you have a clear plan A, a clear plan B, and a clear plan C, especially in defensive transition when you play against teams that are going to just, they're going to, you know, we saw two goals that they conceded today. If that's a Mexican side going all out, it's going to be double, triple that. So like, you know, but it's early. I get it. It's about refining things, but that's a key thing to remember. Don't you think? I think discipline is going to be key, especially when you bring up a team like Mexico who will possession you to death. You know, they'll keep the ball. They're very good at uh, pressing themselves. So they're going to suffocate you, especially in your defensive third, their attacking third. And Greg likes to play out of that. And he's almost stubborn in some ways to force his teams to do that. We saw them play a couple of years ago in New York. Mexico smashed them 3-0. I was there in person. And Zach Steffen touched the ball more than Christian Pulisic. I don't want that. I don't want plan A to also be our plan B and our plan C. So yes, I think that Greg has definitely modified from them. I think he's adapted. I think he's starting to evolve with the players that he has at his disposal. And they can do different things. The last two games, though, we didn't really see Panama or Wales press the team like we're going to see from Mexico or maybe some of the other Central American teams that are very good at that. And they know that's their best chance to maybe get a result in some particular way. I, I don't know exactly what this team is made of in those moments yet. We're still going to figure that out. However, to what you, we've been saying and what we've seen online and what we hear from the TV as well, like this is a, this is a generation of players that we should be very excited about. Cause I think the average age of all the goal scorers today was 19 years, two months. I mean, that is, that is wild. If we can keep pushing that, in the right direction. I mean, the future is super bright. Yeah. All right. So let's finish up with this, guys. Um, now that it's over, they're obviously Greg Berhalter's hoping for a December camp, but again, it's going to be based with uh, 
uh, North American-based players, uh, but it's a good way to see even more players come in uh, and kind of implement his system. But as we look ahead to 2021, World Cup qualifiers aside, tournaments aside, what do you want to see now? Maybe uh, to your point, Jimmy, because we still are need, need to figure out who they are about. What kind of uh, opponent in friendlies now do we want to see? Because if we haven't seen a, a Wales and a Panama that hasn't pressed, maybe now that's what you want. You want a physical pressing side, maybe a South American side that can sort of test you a little bit. So let me ask you both this. I'll start with you, Heath. 2021, before we begin at all from uh, you know, a competitive perspective, what do you want to see from this uh, United States? Well, I want to see them play a range of teams that are going to test them in a number of ways, right? Panama is not a good example. Wales is a good example of, of a more route one, kick and run, keep the game ugly, don't let you get into a rhythm, that type of play. We saw that they struggled a little bit in the attacking third to be able to disrupt that and break that down. I'd like to see them continue to get challenged against teams that will keep them guessing right? Sit back. Some teams are going to high press. Can they solve problems? Can these players do it? Because in qualifying, you have to do it consistently. You don't get to have a Wales day where you just go, okay, granted it's a, it's a, it's a zero, zero, but, and you'll, you'll take that point, but in qualifying, but I'd like to see them continue to get challenged in these types of scenarios, because in, in, in a way, what I'm saying is I wish there was uh, games of consequence coming up soon, because that's where I really want them to start testing, you know, and, and really, really getting put to the put to the, to, to the challenge of can they, can they rise to the circumstances of these games? Because you can simulate all you want, but when qualifying happens, right? You talk about plan A, plan B, plan C. There are times you go to plan B within five minutes because that, you see what the ref does and you're like, okay, it's going to be a long day. You see that they're cheating their, their, their midfielders high and wide and they're going to they're gonna try to counter on you all day. You see all these things start to happen and you go, okay, plan B, throw it all out. All this possession stuff, all this whatever – we got to flip the switch, roll up our sleeves. We're going to grind this one out. And that happens more often than not. And that's the, that's the sort of, like Jimmy said, that discipline that you want to be tested with to say, okay, hey, you know what? Greg's got a plan. These players play in clubs that play good possession. But today, none of that matters. I want to, I want to see that type of um, commitment and discipline to be able to go to that plan and say, this is about points. This is about qualifying we can spend all day, all week uh, training and playing beautifully, and we're going to get to that point. But this stage, at this moment, it's about getting a result. Jimmy. My turn. No, I agree with Heath. I think. Sorry, uh, Jimmy. Sorry. No, no, no. A diversity. No, no, no. I agree with you. I was just giving a hard time. Diversity of opponents. I actually wouldn't mind if we did a lap around South America and played every single one of the countries down there. I think winning the Copa America, I think World Cup qualifying in South America is one of the toughest in the world, if not the toughest. And I think each opponent will provide different things for you. You know, Chile will in Peru, most likely, even though I know you don't like the comparisons there, but they'll punch you in the mouth, you know, and they'll laugh about it. You know, they'll, they'll, they, that's what they do and they enjoy it. And I love that about them in particular. Argentina will probably try to play a little bit more, even though I remember playing against Argentina in Copa America and, and uh, Ayala, the defender, the captain at the time for Argentina, like eye gouged me, even though we were down three to one and like it was over. Uh, he eye gouged me on a set piece because he's trying to mark me and then punched me when I, it was crazy. I'm like, ah, these guys are tough and they'll do whatever it takes to win, even though they're already winning. So there's something about that that I wouldn't mind these guys getting. And I think you can only get that from that type of experience. What I'll say though, more often, more than that, from my perspective is I'd like to see how the transition is going to be and how he blends the domestic players in with the international players, the European based players, South American based players. That's going to be a little bit, I don't say it's difficult because I think you ultimately set the culture. And if you accept everybody as 
as once you're in the squad, you're in the squad and that one person's treated better than the other. I think it's going to be fine. I think MLS players are going to play a big role at some capacity in qualifying. They always have, and they always will. And then it's really up to them, the MLS based ones to make their impact and make it strong. I want to say Daryl DK. We talk about uh, Musa coming in. I want to see Daryl DK come in absolutely dominated when he at the number nine spot in particular in a lot of different ways for Orlando. They're a different team when he's in that number nine spot. If he commits to the U S that's the thing. That's like, like Musa, he, we got to get him and convinced we got to bring him in as soon as possible. So getting him in uh, Jordan Morris, I think I want to see him out there. I mean, I would love to see Jordan Morris with all due respect to Rui Diaz and Ladero, who I think are top, top players and rolled on, you know, you'd be at Morris out there with a Pulisic or a Gio Reyna. I'd like to see them kind of like work together. So I want to see him. He's up for MLS MVP. You know, uh, we got Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman are two center backs that I think could do just as well, if not better than, than Miazga and Tim Ream, in my humble opinion. And we have some other emerging talent, Brendan Aronson. He's going over to RB Salzburg. Why not bring him in? If you're going to bring in young, young players, give him a look. Uh, Paxton Pomey call. There's a lot of players that I think deserve a look and, and hopefully he'll do that. I think this January camp in particular is going to be super important. If we can get a December game, even better. But that camp is going to be three weeks for a lot of these players to say, hey, I can be a guy you can count on. I'm a guy you can trust. And then as we started to get into World Cup qualifiers, we can start to merge all this talent together. And, and it's going to be good problems for Greg Berhalter to have because he's going to have a lot of options. Oh, Jordan Morris. Jordan Morris has to be in this lineup. I oh, just, for sure. For sure. He, he's, he's too good and he's too much of a leader as well. He, he doesn't mind getting dirty too. And that's what I like about him. The other point, might be, maybe you mentioned South American teams. May I present to you Ecuador, a very talented team who has a lot of grit. And on the other side, how about Scotland, who just made it to the European Championship? They have a tremendous amount of talent. They're very resilient. It's going to be a super, super interesting 2021 as Mexico continues to push and the U.S. now saying, hey, don't forget about us either. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, always good to have you. I didn't call you my fellas today, Heath. By the oh, way, that's okay. Can I? Can, hey, real quick, the way that you get these guys to, to play for the U.S. just like they do in recruiting for college football. Everybody knows how to do it. You know, secure buy them the a car, buy them a car, buy, <laughs> car, buy their parents a house, and it's done. You know, <laughs> just watch, uh, just watch the movie Blue Chips, and uh, just. just <laughs> <laughs> always good to have you guys even though we're not our uh, best friends of jimmy it's always good to have him anyway so <laughs> I, I gave you You're my, my best friend, secret Louis. oh this is crap <laughs> guys stay tuned because we have plenty more kegolasso coming guys thank you so much for joining us i want to thank jimmy conrad and heath pierce for joining me today don't forget to follow us on kegolasso pod on twitter and please if you're listening to this on cbs sports make sure that you listen to us on apple podcasts spotify or stitcher or anywhere where you listen to your pods leave a rating and review the more the ratings the more the reviews the more we grow grow and grow baby thank you so much for joining us guys see you next time a very bright shining light Sarajevo and they needed to kill that light from producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2 U2 they represent a personification of our resistance the Hollywood reporter hails kiss the future moving and inspirational kiss the future viva Sarajevo kiss the future new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus go to Paramount Plus to try it free terms apply